that is, that's it, right? That's the whole thing. Your mindset and how you think about things dictates how you feel about things. How you feel about things dictates how you respond to things. How you respond to things dictates what you choose to do about it. What you choose to do creates the results in your life. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the KonMari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified KonMari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Our guest today is Jonathan Pritchard. Jonathan is my business coach here in Chicago. He helped me get For the Love of Tidy off the ground. And uh, he he helped me use and apply this predictive art of mind reading uh, to reach my personal and business goals. He is a mentalist and Jonathan has appeared on America's Got Talent and he's entertained the US troops stationed overseas. And he's performed in Vegas, on main stages and cruise ships and more. He also helps people discover the magic of connecting. He helps companies connect with their employees during networking events and helps them sharpen their marketing skills to be able to grab prospective clients. And now he's an author of a great new book, Think Like a Mind Reader. So we're so happy to have you today on Spark Joy. Jonathan, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, with that kind of setup, I, man, I, I got to bring it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get started by clarifying your title. I'm sure our listeners are very curious. You are a mentalist or mind reader. Does that mean you have special superpowers or can you every, tell what I'm thinking? <laughs> yeah, every, basically um, for the past 12, 15 years. Yeah, I, I made my living on stage in front of a room full of a thousand people. I could make them think that I can read minds. A very, very convincing demonstrations of mind to mind communication, but it's all applied psychology. There's nothing that I do on stage that is supernatural or psychic abilities for real. Like a five-year-old kid could do everything that I do. Uh, it's just like with 25 years of practice and then you'd be able to do that. But the the path was basically uh, doing all these mind reading shows. And I worked a, a lot of colleges over the years too. And enough people were saying, man, you're living the dream. You're getting to travel, get paid for it, having fun at work. I can't imagine living that life. And hearing it enough times, it clicked. People literally couldn't imagine living anything other but the nine to five grind of showing up at your cube and then going home. And I started getting really excited to talk to people after the show. So those were my first coaching clients, really. And I started getting emails from them years later going, man, thank you so much for talking to me that I'm on a totally new path and loving it. Thank you for sharing those thoughts. And I realized, well, all the weird psychology I'm using on stage is the same psychology that's used in personal success, in networking, in advertising, in customer service trainings. So I realized that I've got something really valuable that I could help a lot of companies and everybody that that person 
or all the people that that company comes in contact with. And I, I figured out that was the missing link, that kind of education and sharing section that I didn't have from just doing the mind reading shows. So that's why I transitioned into being kind of a speaker and a consultant and a trainer was to kind of help everybody with the same stuff that's helped me get to the top of my field in the mentalism world. I now help companies and people do the same for whatever it is they want to do. So this is so very interesting, but I'm so curious about how you even got started in this to begin with. So, And you perform all over the world under the stage name Johnny Zavant, which is just great. But how did you get started? <laughs> how did you even find that you had this talent? Well, I, I was a really shy kid growing up. It's really hard for people to believe after they've seen me on stage or known me for any, any length of time. Just like, but you're such an outgoing person. Say, so, yes, I'm an introvert that has learned how to be outgoing. And it was, I, I learned how to do magic tricks at the library when I was in elementary school, really. And through those magic tricks, that's how I got used to relating to people. And when I was 13, I started juggling fire. And when I was 15, I was hammering nails up my nose. And <laughs> at 18, I was eating fire. So I just, one, I had really cool mentors who had been there, done that, and were willing to share with me all the secrets of their trade. And I, I learned from them and then kind of put it into practice in my own life. And about the time I went to college, I was getting more interested in how people are even wired to make magic possible, right? So the way that a trick works is neat, but the fact that magic works at all is even more neat, right? Because it works for everybody across cultures. It doesn't matter. You're still going to be amazed when that tiger shows up, right? <laughs> so that's why I got really interested in the psychology of how people believe things, how we are wired to navigate reality, how that goes sideways sometimes, right? It's like, if you've ever gone up a flight of stairs and thought mm -hmm. there was one more stair than there actually wasn't, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it, you just step through nothing. It is such a disorienting experience and you can't fake that. Right. And little mental hiccups like that happen all over the place. But for the most part, we never notice them until it's a step or we stub our toe in the middle of the night because we think the dresser is over there when it's right here, right? In the context of a mind reading show or a magic show, this is a fun experience, but in the context of maybe psychic readings or getting in touch with dead people, right? Yeah. That's the line that, that I'm not comfortable crossing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. That's Ooh, still still blows my mind that <laughs> you're able to do this and uh you you've had local shows in Chicago and uh are you still performing or have you moved on to doing exclusively with coaching and, and helping companies and and other business owners right um, most most of my performances are private events where it's either a trade show and a company is going to a trade show they set up their booth and they want somebody to be able to stop a lot of traffic, get them interested in the product and pre-qualify them and then hand them off to their salespeople, right? So mm -hmm. I kind of do that. Or I help them transform their hospitality suites into the normal kind of boring thing where everybody shows up for the shrimp cocktail and, okay, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to talk to the representative, but 
uh, that we'll get through that really fast. Well, I help them transform that dynamic into a ticketed, exclusive, invite-only experience where mm-hmm. I do mind-reading demonstrations that weave the message of that company into the performance. So all these executives and CEOs and high-value clients now literally can't forget the product that my client has brought me in to highlight, mm. right? Or a company will bring me in for their annual awards banquet. And at, that is such an amazing opportunity for companies because most most companies have the two silos. You've got the salespeople that promise the moon and then hand it off to the operations people that now have to figure out how this impossible promise can be delivered, right? Sure. So this annual awards banquet is the only time those two teams actually get to talk. And during the cocktail hour, it's been shown that if you don't get those two silos talking to each other in the first 10 minutes, they're not going to. So they stay in their little click, stay long enough to get their award and then go home. Right. So I help companies transform that dynamic into something where everybody's talking to each other I'd show them something impossible. Now they've got something really cool to talk about and connect over. Because, man, if it wasn't for the weather, most people wouldn't even know how to start a conversation. Mm -hmm. So I'm a professional people meter, right? So I just facilitate that connection, uh, whether it's being on stage or as a walk around icebreaker. There's just lots of ways for me to use my skills to get people connected. So I don't do a lot of Uh, public shows where you could buy a ticket and come just for the mind reading show. Um, So most of what I do are private invite only kind of kind of things. I wish you could follow me around to like every networking event that I go to. (laughs) That that sounds way more interesting than the typical, you know, wear the name tag, shake people's hands. Exactly. Oh, man, I, I love and hate networking events sure. <laughs> because mostly it's a lot of people who are quote unquote, I'm in transition, right? <laughs> like yes. desperately looking for a job, just handing out their card to anybody that will take one. And the, the, the dance that we all do, it's a choreographed conversation that goes the same way every time. And we all know where it is and where it's going. So they look at your name tag, see what your name is read the company if they don't recognize the company then they ask so what do you do and what they're really asking is how can i pigeonhole you right right can i use you or not right are you useful to me now in the current dynamic you can't have just one skill set right with the job market and how everything is man, you better have three or four things that you're professionally qualified to do, right? So now you're you're in a trap. At this networking event, you could gamble and say, I'm a designer. Mm-hmm. And then if they don't need a designer, but do need one of the other three things you can do, you just missed it because there's still that pervasive idea that you could only be good at one thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So here's what I do. I never tell people what I do for a living because the instant I tell them I'm a mind reader, 
it's it's the weirdest thing they're going to hear <laughs> in the next 50 networking events, right? Really? So I know I know exactly how that conversation is going to go and it doesn't help me figure out how I can help them, right? So I can't <laughs> right. answer that question. So here's what I do. I say, well, here's what I believe in. Like, I believe we're all connected in an amazing way that we can't really understand, but once we can experience it and facilitate that connection, our businesses get better, our personal relationships get better. So basically what I do is I help people connect. What do you think? Hmm. So I just cut yeah. straight to the heart of everything that I do comes from that core belief. Like That's not just marketing jargon. Like I fundamentally believe that. So everything that I do is just an offshoot or expression of that fundamental philosophy. So now, if that person doesn't agree with my fundamental philosophy, I instantly know that they're not a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. So if oh. they, I allow them to disqualify themselves without even knowing that that's what's happening. So essentially, then you're looking for their response, or you're waiting for their response to see how it fits into kind of what you understand to be the an opening for the conversation to continue. Is that right? Exactly. So they go, yeah, I think so. And uh, so then I, I, they they go, but I still don't know what you do, right? If they get, if they can <laughs> cut through it that fast, right? If they if they get to the end that quickly, they'll be like, I still don't know what you do. I still don't say, I just ask them, so how would your business be better if you could actually read minds? Now, what that question does, that helps me understand what their biggest pain point is, Mm -hmm. because they're going to think about a problem that mind reading could help them with. And what that tells me is what issue that they're working on. So then when they say, oh, it would really help our marketing, I say, that's exactly what I help companies do. What do you mean? Well, for 15 years, I was a professional mind reader, and now I use that psychology to help companies improve their bottom line. Wow. That's so amazing. And so more memorable, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What yeah. a great approach. So cool. So you've recently released a book called Think Like a Mind Reader. It sounds like an amazing book, and I'm, I'm sure all of our listeners are wondering if this will help them learn how to read minds. Well, uh, in a way, yes. Uh, here's here's the kind of framework for why I even wrote a book. And that's because from my performing days, right, people coming up to me afterwards, they, they would always kind of be off to the side. Always got an autograph line and people, oh, thank you so much. And I kind of have the autograph line going. And then there's one or two people that just stand off to the side. And I instantly know what it is that, that we're going to be talking about. Right. Because Mm -hmm. they don't they don't want to interrupt everybody, but they want my time to be able to connect over something. Right. Mm -hmm. So I discovered that those folks that want really wanted to connect with me after a show because they experienced something that they can't really understand or they've seen a glimpse into a way of living and thinking about things that kind of opens up the world, right? Mm -hmm. I've I figured out that I was having essentially the same 20 conversations in various forms, but it was essentially the same 20 things over and over and over again. So I I figured out, oh, as a speaker, I can now help a room full of hundreds of people, but as an author, I could reach anybody in the world that wants to get the book. Now those people 
can have my thoughts in their head. Like to me, reading is the most amazing, magical thing in the history of the planet because the author has ideas, traps them in words on a page. It sits between the covers like a little knowledge time bomb. Mm -hmm. And then the reader picks it up. Who knows how much time has passed. Then they read it and they're hearing my words in their head. Like That's amazing to Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. So it's basically all the strategies and approaches and techniques that, that I used to get to the top of my game that anybody can use in whatever area of their life they want to apply it to. And a lot of people ask, oh, can I get it on Kindle? But it's it's actually not going to be available for download because the book itself can be used as a mind reading trick. So the book will actually mm. teach readers how to use the physical book to make it look like they can read their friends' minds. And the instructions are hidden inside the book. So you actually have to read the whole thing to find <laughs> find the instructions on how to use the book you just read to, to read your, your buddy's mind. Wow, I bet a lot of authors would like to have that trick. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like all these bestsellers out there, you know, what are the odds that every single of the millions of people who pick the book up actually finish reading it, you know, right. when I really think about it. So what a great idea, putting a magic trick at the end of the book. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, it, it was a, oh man, it was a lot of work to make mm-hmm. that actually feasible the the amount of work that went into that dumb book oh my goodness (laughs) well also i'm curious have you did you did you experience a lot of um pushback from you know like the all the people who who get books on kindles and get books online i mean that is like such a huge part of the marketplace now it is it is a huge part but also i'm not too worried about it, right? If I were a world-renowned author and I would be looking at all that money I'm leaving on the table, (sighs) but really a lot of people talk about scaling your business, about marketability and all these kind of digital platforms and leveraging your time and all that kind of fun stuff. And I'm all for that. But when the whole world is zigging, I like to zag, Mm, right? And now that personal connection physical reality, actually being in the same room as another human being is now more rare and more valuable than ever. So in a way, I I don't want my book as just a digital thing mm-hmm. that you flip through and it carries no weight, mm-hmm. right? Man, you've got to get the actual physical book. You can hold it. You can handwrite in the margins or you right. can make notes, mark it up. I mean, the science has shown that if you're taking notes and you're typing on a laptop during a, a networking thing or a, a workshop and you're typing, the the ideas just go straight from your brain to your fingertips into the laptop. That's it. It's mm-hmm. just whoop right in. Hmm. But if you handwrite your notes, you can't write as fast as the other person is talking. So it's forcing you to evaluate its worth right then and there. So you're automatically filtering the information for what's most useful and not. And then what you choose to write down encodes it in your mind in a way that typing doesn't. 
So I feel like there's a, a lot of opportunity missed by people wanting digital solutions to real world problems. So that's why the, the project at its most fundamental level is kind of a reinforcing that we exist in a physical reality and all the thinking and hoping and wishing and praying won't do any good. It's what are you going to do in meat space, right? Mm -hmm. what, what action are you going to take that really makes or breaks your success? So that's why it's only available as a physical object that you can use with your friends in person to create this incredible experience that is going to just totally break their minds. Right? That's that's not possible with some ebook. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to the mind breaking for sure. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I want to show all my friends that I can do a trick that's so cool. Uh, but we, we also want to hear a little bit more about any techniques that you can share. We don't want to give too much away, but maybe if you could share one of the techniques that are featured in the book and how they can be applied to uh, changing minds or our lives um, and predicting things and kind of, like you said, applied psychology. Oh, absolutely. Um, basically, most people fail to solve their problems because they don't understand what the actual problem is. Ah, yeah. <laughs> right? And in my live workshops, I illustrate that with a demonstration where I ask everybody, okay, raise your hand if you think, if I gave you a week, you could memorize the alphabet backwards. You could just say the alphabet backwards if you had a week's worth of practice. Almost everybody's hand goes up. And I keep shortening the length of time. Okay, how about just a day? Some hands go down. Mm -hmm. All right, if I gave you an hour, could you do it? And maybe three or four hands are still up. What if I gave you 10 minutes, right? Then almost nobody's hand is still up unless they could already do it and they're trying to cheat, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. So then I, I then walk them through a demonstration of how to say the alphabet backwards and people can go from thinking it's impossible to doing it in five minutes hmm. because the strategy that they would use on their own would be incorrect for how their brain actually works. Our memories are narrative driven, visually driven, weird images and pictures, relationships are more sticky than just cold facts. Right? That's why we can remember songs instead of mm -hmm. just the words. It's everything together. So when you understand that, no, it's not that your memory is awful. How you're using it is awful because you don't understand how your memory actually works. So the problem isn't that your memory is bad. The problem is the strategies you're trying to use are not suited for the effect you're trying to create. Hmm. Right. So once you understand the actual problem, now you can employ strategies that address that problem and you get results that are so much faster than trying to struggle through it because you don't really know what's going on. Right? So the times that I've made the most progress in my life and business is when I talk to somebody who's already doing what I want to do mm -hmm. and then go, OK, how do you think about the world? and I save myself years of struggling to try to figure it out on my own, they've already figured it out. 
right? So that's why everybody needs a coach, right? right? Olympic athletes have a coach, right? So yeah. the next time somebody tells me, well, I think I'm doing all right. I don't need a coach. But so where's your gold medal? <laughs> right? <laughs> so point. even the, the highest performers still need coaches, right? To keep you accountable, to keep mm -hmm. you on track and to share strategies that are actually effective. So interesting. Yeah, we we deal with our own form of magic. That's the life changing magic of tidying up. <laughs> so we love to talk about Kanmari here, of course. And yeah. I feel like it ties in a lot with what you're talking about when you're we're solving a problem, like basically shifting our perspective in order to confront things. And in this case, it would be possessions and just behaviors. Uh, so I was wondering how, how you maybe see, could see this tool of being a mind reader, kind of shifting a per perspective or behavior when it comes to someone who is looking to tidy up. That is, that's it, right? That's the whole thing. Your mindset and how you think about things dictates how you feel about things. Mm -hmm. How you feel about things dictates how you respond to things. How you respond to things dictates what you choose to do about it. Mm -hmm. What you choose to do creates the results in your life. And all that happens very quickly. And most people say, well, that's just the way I am. Well, you know what? That's just how you are used to behaving. That's how you're used to thinking, right? If I asked somebody to, well, I'm left-handed. And if somebody asked me to write with my right hand, if I focused and took the time and put in a lot of effort, I could learn to write with my right hand. But if I'm tired or if I'm stressed out or I'm having some really strong emotions, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to revert back to what is easiest for me to write with my left hand, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of what people think is the problem isn't the problem. It's how you're thinking about the current situation that you're in that's the problem, sure. right? Yeah. You're telling yourself it means this thing. Well, that's just the story that you've learned to tell yourself about it. Two people can go through exactly the same situation and come out with two completely different results. The only difference is the story that they're bringing to the party that tells them how they should feel about it. So once you can really unlock how your mind works and why you believe what you do, then you can kind of break it apart like the matrix and then restructure how you approach the problems in your life. And then you get more interesting problems. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my life's goal, right? Is to trade up to more and more interesting problems every year. Wow. If I'm still making the same problems next year as I am this year, I don't, I don't feel like I've done enough good work. <laughs> That's, um, I, I really like what you just said about changing mindset because when I think about the book, when I think about Marie Kondo's book, books, um, there's really so much in them that is more about changing the way you're thinking about the problem. Although, of course, there's very specific and concrete steps and, and a system, a method for how to address um you know, starting with the clutter, but then other parts of your life. But it's really, there's so much in there about looking at things a little differently. And I think that that's one of the things that's so um, appealing about the book is that, just as you said, it's like really taking um, a different slant in your thinking about the problem. 
Um, and if you can think differently about the problem, you really transform, you transform the problem, but then you open the door up for better answers to the problem as well. Exactly, right? So there, there are these things called mental models and our minds are really good at creating maps of our physical spaces that we navigate, our interpersonal relationships, our self-worth, everything. We build this idea of what's real, right? And if you're out in podcast land right now, if I asked you to close your eyes and leave the building that you're in, you could probably do it, right? You might bump into some walls, but you've got a really good idea of how you would go about doing that, Mm -hmm. right? And that's your mental model of the space that you're in right now. If you're on a train, please don't try this, (laughs) right? But the idea is that you've got this mental model of reality, but it's not real. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist anywhere, but it dictates how you would make your choices, right? That's exactly what happens in your relationship to your clutter, to your space. And what happens is when you read a book, you are installing the author's mental models of their relationship to reality. So you can have multiple mental models for the exact same physical space, Hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like you could have a topographic map. Mm -hmm. You could have an interstate map. You could have a riverway map, right, of the same land, but all the maps are different in how they're useful and not useful by what they emphasize and what they don't. So if you're having issues with clutter or whatever your problem is, you can talk to somebody that solved it and kind of install how they think about things into your mind, and now you've got more useful ways of thinking about it. But another weird thing is people make the mistake that they are separate and apart from their space instead of a part of their space. Mm-hmm. You you are this body. You don't have a body, right? Good luck pointing to your mind, right? Mm-hmm. You can't weigh your mind. It's not real. It doesn't exist. So being able to affect your environment and create a space that facilitates clearer thinking is definitely possible, right? So our environments influence and affect us just as much as we influence and affect our environments. That is so interesting. Huh. I'm just thinking of when you, when you said, uh, close your eyes and, and walk around your space and try to get out of your space. Uh, I just thought about how sometimes we do things like other almost unconsciously, like um, drive to work, you know, mm-hmm. um, and we, we're there and we're like, wait, how did I get here? What happened? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. is, that, is that that kind of thing? This like, yes. like we're just programmed to always do things mm-hmm. one way. Um, exactly. Yeah. Your, your patterns, I mean, your brain runs on as much energy as the light bulb in your fridge. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. So it has to find shortcuts. And if this pattern of behavior has gotten you the proper result, 200 times, 201, we don't have to think about it as much. So it's now no longer in our conscious mind. It's in our non-conscious part of our neuromuscular system. So we just, that's what autopilot is. That's what our habits are. So most of our life is the result of our unconscious habits that we installed without even really being aware that we're doing it in the first place. 
right? That's how you show up at work without even thinking about it. Sure. That's how you walk through your relationships without really being present. That's why you look up at the clock and it's 5.30 and you aren't even aware what, what you did at work today, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> right. So many people are so checked out of their existence and then they wonder why they're unhappy, right? Yeah. You, you got to really dig into those fundamental patterns that are outside your conscious awareness most of the time and really start seeing how big their impact is. It's almost like asking a fish to kind of step outside the water to see how wet it is, right? Interesting. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's really difficult unless you've spent your life thinking about this stuff, researching it, looking back to shaman times and caveman painting time, right? The, like that's how far back these problems go mm-hmm. because that's how we're wired. And that's why the shaman is so important in society, somebody that understands all these rules are just kind of made up anyway and step outside of them. That's why to me, it's music to my ears when I hear somebody go, man, I've, I've never thought of it like that. Sure. That means that they now have the potential to imagine a whole new world that was previously inaccessible to them. Like they literally couldn't imagine it, but now they can. Mm-hmm. Now they're, the world of possibility is just so much bigger. Yeah, I think that moment is critical because we all know and even have the tools to make change. We read books, we uh, try to apply, but if we can't accept them in, then it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? So Exactly. Hmm. And, and that's what magic shows and mentalism shows walk you up to the limit of your understanding and then point out into the the distance and go, that's where I live. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and in that context, that's a wonderful experience, right? To kind of break people's brains and show them that there's a lot more out there than you might realize. And you could do a lot more than you think you can. And then to show people how that's possible. That's, that's why I, I went, man, I, I can't just do the show anymore because it's fun to kind of distract people from how awful their life is for an hour. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if I'm able to share those psychological tools with an audience for that hour, that then they could apply across the board in their life and make change for the rest of their life. To me, that's too important not to be doing. Oh, wow. Yeah, for sure. So... One of the things that um, we always like to ask our guest is at this very moment, what sparks the most joy for you? Oh, man, what sparks the most joy for me is a quiet night in with my sweetie. Oh, that's so great. (laughs) She's amazing. And I've lived the on the road life, traveling all over the world, doing all that kind of fun stuff. But man, it sure makes being home special. So I I value and treasure the quiet nights in, right? When I'm a professional goer outer and meter of people, mm-hmm. there's nothing that brings me more joy than doing absolutely nothing with my favorite person on the planet. That's really great. I love that one. Um, so I do, let, let me ask you, this do you have any final words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners something that they can take away Ooh, 
I probably should. But I... Oh. I, I would say fail faster is basically it, right? Because the only time you learn is when you're uncomfortable in experiencing something new. And the most often that experience is the result of failure. So the more often you can fail, the faster you'll learn the right lessons. Because you can't just learn from your successes, you learn a lot more from your failures. So if you're worried about being perfect, well then just embrace that failure. And then you'll never have to worry about being perfect, but you will you will advance and develop and grow so much faster as a person. So don't uh, don't be ashamed of your failures. Right? Learn from them, apply the lessons, and be a better person. Love Very that. good advice. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan, for joining us here at Spark Joy. It was so great having you. Well, thank you so much for letting me share my thoughts and just break people's brains. It's it's my favorite thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being with us. To connect with or hire Jonathan, you can visit likeamindreader.com. His book, Think Like a Mind Reader, is available on Amazon. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning, tidying questions or share stories about how KonMari has impacted your life. You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask Spark Joy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show. You can also join the discussion on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at sparkjoypodcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with KonMari Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of KonMari Media Incorporated or the KonMari consultant community.